Hi friends, welcome back to another episode of Creating Things Together. This week is a different kind of week. It's not just James and I. We have guests. Hi guests. Hi guests. We've got Jim and Alicia. Um, they are... I'm I'm just so excited for this. I'm like bouncing up and down. So this they is a very selfish podcast episode for Christina. Yes. They do all things ecotourism. They document all of their adventures online. I'm really interested in them because of the underwater photography slash videography corner of their life. Um, this is something that I am just diving into. Pun absolutely intended. Um, so I and this gives you guys context on just my geekiness. I've grew up in South Florida and I'm just obsessed with the ocean water. I just love being in it. That's the only place where I find myself absolutely thinking about nothing like meditation. People do it. I don't know how to not think about things, but when I'm in the water, I'm just absolutely mesmerized. So I've been wanting to take our filmmaking skills from the land into the water. So like James says, this is very selfish. Um, and we want to talk with them today about just how they work together and how they can, like how they're a tag team kind of a mm. creative powerhouse in the water and how they take what they have in the water and bring it on land, mm -hmm. change people's perspectives. We're going to talk about so much, but Jim and Alicia, how are you guys doing today? We're doing well. Thanks for having us. I know. Good yeah. to see you, Christina. Good to see James. This is a, a fun so. way to get to actually like e-meet somebody. <laughs> yeah. We, we obviously haven't had a chance to meet in person yet, but this is a really neat uh, intro to that. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, well, we, you know, we don't have the tickets to Hawaii booked yet, so this is the second best. Yeah. Next, you know, in a couple hours, we'll book tickets. <laughs> So what are you so what are you guys up to on a daily basis just to give our people context? Um I mean more often than not we start off our morning at 7 a.m. We um take our boat out with a maximum of 6 people on the ocean in Kona and we search for wildlife. We are full on safari style. We don't guarantee any one species. It's just kind of our guests have to be up for an adventure because we get out there and we just go see what we can find. Right. Um, so, so it's, it's definitely one of those things where, you know, the ocean can be very gentle and very giving and very enjoyable. You know, you get out at seven o'clock in the morning and the water's just glass and you're like, Oh, sea creature. Oh, more sea creatures. Oh, more things to see. Oh, this is really neat. And there are days when you get up and you get on the water at seven thirty, and it's, you know, eight foot seas and it rains the whole time and everybody's, you know, not necessarily enjoying themselves that much. Or there are days where we drive for four hours and we, we physically, we just physically can't find anything entertaining to, to show people, you know, it's just a big blue <laughs> desert. And so, you know, every day is very different, but our routine would generally start at 7.30 in the morning when we launch the boat and usually we're back around 11.30. Yeah. So then we come home. Um, we have two big fluffy dogs, so we play with them for a little bit and give them our love and attention. And then we settle into, you know, secondary work mode of answering emails and doing social media. And, um, we also make like, mermaid tails on the side. So if we have an order for one of those, then it's to work on that. So that keeps us busy right around sunset where we take the pups for a walk. And then it's, I mean, when the sun sets, our day is, is done. We're pretty, pretty early to go to bed. <laughs> like eight. We're like, all right. Movie time. 
go to bed. <laughs> Tell me more about these mermaid tails. Yeah, so I mean, um, we have a variety of clients. It's kind of become a more popular thing as far as like aquariums go, or you know how you can hire a princess to show up at your daughter's fifth birthday party or whatnot. Oh, you do can, I? Oh, you can. <laughs> you can hire um, Mermaid Ariel to come in and entertain at, at kids' birthday parties. So those are the majority of the clients, people who work in like the aquarium industry who are using it as an entertaining and also educational experience or um, somebody who's, you know, like a business a business person who does it um, for, for parties and, and all of that. So, oh, yeah, see. so we... Uh, make each tail custom fit to every person who purchases them and send them on their way out into the world. Right. And so just to, to start from the beginning, um, from where Allie started off, the mermaid tails are something that it, it takes us about 80 hours to make one. Uh, we wow. make them silicone. So just like a Hollywood prosthetic you'd see in the movies, um, it's, it's expensive um, and it's really labor intensive, but the end result is really quite nice and it gives us a good creative outlet. It's an opportunity. I, I do, a decent amount of the sculpting and then Allie does pretty much all of the painting and so because she's a gifted painter the tails usually end up looking really nice um, but yeah it's it's definitely a, a wearable piece of art it's not just some random uh, not just some random thing that you'd put on and when you decided you didn't like it you wouldn't bother with it anymore like the people who want one of these things it's an investment but it's also something that's functional for a long time Wow that's what I was gonna ask so so it's a wearable it's wearable you can can you maneuver it in it or yeah. is it still it is for fully functional? Like when you put it on in the water, you swim in the mermaid tail. Most of our clients swim faster than we do in our free diving fins. And so it's kind of one of those things where if we're doing a photo shoot because somebody wants pictures in a mermaid tail, uh, we have to consistently remind them to please swim slowly because they often out swim us and, and we can't get their picture if they're swimming away from us. Don't worry, James. <laughs> Hawaii, we'll put you in one. You'll get to do your photo shoot for sure. He's so interested. Merman. That, Merman. that is that is the uh, most Hawaii freelance operation that I have ever heard of. <laughs> that is pretty. Yeah. That's awesome. So you guys, so but you you guys also incorporate um, video and photography into what you guys are up to in terms of your environmentalist pursuits. And um, tell me about your your multimedia things and how the, how they connect together and what the purpose is of your photos and your videos. Uh, it seems like you guys are working towards a goal as opposed to doing it because you like to play with camera gear. Well, so I, I guess initially when we started taking photos, you know, it, when Allie and I were working together on the water initially, our job was to document what we saw, what we experienced, and then we would sell the photos to the guests as a, as a package. So you go out and you spend the day with them on the water and then you sell the photos to them after the fact, which in hindsight turned out to be more of a sales job than an actual photography job because... Hello. Oh, it appears we have a connection problem. Uh-oh, reconnecting. There's a poor network connection. Hi, Christina. Hey, James. Um, these are pretty cool people, right? Yeah. I mean, the mermaid tail thing. Yeah. It's like total gig culture. That was insane. Mm -hmm. I don't understand how that works. I mean, you think about all the, the work that goes into maintaining a boat, right? They, they build 
tails <laughs> that you can take in the ocean and swim with. I thought it was going to be like some sort of sculpture that you hang from your wall. Yeah, I'll have to show you some videos online of them. It's actually pretty interesting. It's oh. like very flowing yeah. and like a big tail. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty wild. Yeah, um, interesting. Well, we're having some Skype connection issues here, and this is one of the downfalls of Not talking to people. Room who are um, a quarter of the way across the planet. And we're back. Apparently, we had some sort of power outage on your end. Did a volcano go off? (laughs) Not this time. As far as I know, (laughs) the volcano did not erupt. Not yet. I'm really hoping you guys have the the, the hiatus music going, though. Like, during, just just put the big symbol across the screen. (laughs) That's what I was telling Christina in our interlude, that we're going to have some freeform jazz play for probably three or four seconds Mm -hmm. uh, because whenever this happens, it's an opportunity for freeform jazz. And the more ridiculous (laughs) the jazz is, the better. It makes waiting for the interlude to end easier if the jazz is just really outrageous. Exactly. I I want like 240 beats per minute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I I want the best part of the song. Snarky puppy. Yeah. It just builds and never ends. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Okay. So while we were gone or before we left, we were talking about your multimedia pursuits. I don't know why I keep saying that. And uh, how it uh, how it relates and how you guys use it towards your environmentalism pursuits. Right. So what I, what I was getting at is that we, we were taking photos for a long time, every day, all day long. Um, and it was a, a, like it was essentially a sales job because your goal at the end of the day was to sell the photos that you'd taken of all these people unsolicited to oh. them. Oh, sorry. Winter is now eating a, uh, a Winter, bone. Can you not? Can you? Yeah. Anyways. Um, so our goal was to the, the crunching sound in the background <laughs> is not my anxiety about what we used to do. It's, <laughs> it's actually our dog consuming. Um, but yeah, the, uh, the job ended up being more of a sales job than really a photography job because even though it required competency in the water and certainly required technical ability with the camera, it also required a comfort level selling to people. And that was something that Ali and I, even after years, never fully developed because at the end of the day, you'd come out and you'd create spectacular images for people who didn't want them. And then you'd have really quiet days where there wasn't much to see and you'd have the sweetest people buying your photos and you're like, you Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, while we were working that job, right? So we connected with a research organization called Cascadia, and we were able to contribute terabytes of data. Yeah, certainly gigabytes, but potentially terabytes of data. Not only individuals in varied species, but then also location data, time of day. Um, you know, it, it ended up being a really great opportunity for us to contribute to research while also you know, creating content for ourselves. Yeah, and as we were working on that, I mean, social media became a thing. Instagram was released, and um, I realized that I could, you know, share these photos and and share educational experiences through social media, um, which was kind of a unique platform. And so that's kind of how we continued on that path. Is just we. Um, we kept posting and, you know, we kept getting out on the ocean every day and photographing what we were seeing and then sharing it online and, and connecting with others who, you know, were like-minded or, you know, um, wanted to learn more or uh, eventually, you know, they wanted to come out and see what we see. So that's kind of been our, our continuous underlying 
thing is that we've been sharing on on social media the the different experiences that we have. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, oh, go ahead. So, were you both initially interested in just the environment and capturing the environment? Were you initially interested in photography, like taking photos in the water of people, kind of tourist style? That's a very unique corner of freelancing essentially even though it was like a main job um so like what kind of got you guys interested in both sides of those things um I think I I mean I've always been drawn to the ocean I've always felt like it was the place where I felt most comfortable and so when I was 15 I applied for a job as a deckhand on a, a snorkel tour boat and my first day there I met the photographer on board and she was the only photographer working at the time and so I told her you know Growing up, I watched my mom photograph birds and landscapes, and I always really admired and enjoyed my mom's, you know, photography. And and so I was chatting with this other photographer about how I thought it was really neat that she had combined both photography and, you know, being in the ocean together. And she looked at me and she was like, well, I could really use some help. So, you know, here's my camera. If you can dive down 20 feet and photograph the fish that are below us right now, I'll give you the job. And you won't be a deckhand. You'll be a tour photographer. And so I did that. And so really it was, I mean, you know, just for lack of better terminology, like jumped in with both feet and, and got started that way. And, um, and I dabbled with, you know, landside photography a bit here and there, but really just landside like, photography. Yeah. <laughs> so I, if you call that normal photography, I don't know, <laughs> but I, you know, I'm just, it, while it, w- it was a nice thing to kind of experiment with, it's not really my forte. I feel like I'm, I'm much more equipped to be in the water than, um, than on land. <laughs> nice. In answer to your question about it, it being the two of us, um, we both are very passionate about this. It was just something that was very core or convenient when we got together, not only that we were both passionate about the same things, and it was never a, a conscious choice to be like, well, she cares about this, so I ought to care about this. I mean, we really do. We lucked into both being passionate about the same things. And so what was really fascinating or really different or dissimilar to our relationship compared to other relationships that I've been in in the past is that it took no effort. There was no, there was no um, intent to try and, you know, placate the other person. We really did, you know, move in to the, you know, our relationship with the same goals and it was really refreshing to to sort of be passionate about the same things while also being passionate about each other well and it was connected as we were both you know doing photography underwater and um and we actually started at about the same time just on opposite sides of the world so jim was doing photography in grand cayman and i was doing photography in hawaii um but it was essentially what led us to meeting that's really okay. cool. So, so it seems like you guys are both evenly yoked in your passion for environmentalism and your passion for content creation. Absolutely. True. Yeah. Fantastic. So Jim, tell me a little bit about your background from before, I guess, dabbling mm-hmm. into the ecotourism space. How did Pre- and, and yeah, you yeah, mentioned yeah, like you guys uh, meant that kind of thing? Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Yeah. Where am I going? Well, no, I mean, you know, <laughs> arrival, arrival at Alicia, like <laughs> once, once you got here. Um, so, oh, thanks, Winter. Um, we're just, it's okay. This part very, very good observation, I think. <laughs> so uh, I was born in Virginia, 
and my family moved around a bit. We traveled quite a bit growing up. We visited most of the 50 states. And so when I finished high school, I realized that it made wow. it more Be right back. You continue. Okay, oh. apparently you're just that sounded jacked. like a race car. It's, yeah, it does sound like a race car. She's just, it's it's getting pretty close to her W-A-L-K time. And so uh, she's ready. it's time. She's getting sassy because she knows that if we don't leave in 15 minutes or so, we're gonna leave. We're gonna miss the, we're gonna miss the daylight. So it's gonna, it oh, goes. Wow. Um, so anyways, sorry. So I had seen a lot of the U.S., the continental U.S., um, growing up, and so I realized that when I went to college, it made way more sense to go somewhere that I hadn't seen yet. And so I applied to schools in. Uh, Guam in the South Pacific and Fiji in Alaska and then in the Virgin Islands and I just figured wherever I got into first that's where I'd go and so I lived in the Virgin Islands um, and I finished my school or my my undergrad in St. Thomas and then I took a research position in Madagascar after the Virgin Islands and I lived in Madagascar for a while um, and then I moved to the the Cayman Islands with a brief sabbatical in Costa Rica and so I was living in the Cayman Islands when Allie and I met and so um, yeah, we met online. Um, but, uh, I, uh, yeah, I had a job working for, uh, Jean-Michel Cousteau. His, he's got a, a nonprofit called Ocean Future Society and they have an educational offshoot there in the Cayman Islands. And so I was working for him in the Cayman Islands when Ali and I met. What was your role there? So I was a, I was a naturalist. Um, and so people would come to the Cayman Islands and it was pretty varied. You know, we did, um, you know, kayak tours and snorkel trips and we did, uh, um, rock climbing and stuff like that. And so I was sort of a, a guide of sorts. Cool. Okay. okay. Talk to people about the environment. Yeah. Nice. Spent a lot of time swimming around with a camera in my hands. That's awesome. That's fantastic. We've learned from our very short experience holding a camera in the water that it is not as easy as one would think. I have a very, I have a very, um, Beautiful handheld shot on land, landside, uh-huh. as you said. But uh, seaside, it's actually way more shaky than you would expect. <laughs> I thought that it was going to be flowing. I thought you could just let the camera go and it would just float through the water and capture beautiful, s- smooth, um, like warp stabilized footage. But it's Ooh. actually more like a jerking sensation as <laughs> as the waves come past you and the current, and what have you. It's it's pretty awful um (laughs) if you don't know what you're doing and your lens is not really wide so we're starting with the gopro and then we're moving into other cameras yeah Uh, yeah Mm -hmm. yeah what's funny is that we we run into that problem on occasion and that companies will hire very talented top side or just very talented photographers slash videographers and when they approach us, they say, well, this is just a wetter version of what I normally do. How hard can it be? And then you spend a week with them just watching them just kind of have debacle after debacle. And then finally, <laughs> they, they usually pass the camera to Allie and they're like, can you please do this? Uh, it's just, there's a learning curve to it that I think is people don't expect. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the let's. It's a good way. Yeah. Let's talk about the learning curve. Um, yes. So like I mentioned, I'm trying to get into to this world um there's there's different sides of conservation where one side is just doom and gloom and the other side is just storytelling and kind of letting the ocean um convince the people why they should care 
I want to lean more towards that side. And I feel like you guys lean more towards that side. Um, but in, in the beginning, just kind of dissect some of the struggles that you guys had. Maybe it was the stabilization of the ocean. Um, and or lack thereof. Or lack thereof, yeah. And um, just kind of your, your evolution to becoming actually talented in the water. Hmm. Do you want to take that one or shall I? Well, I mean, I think, well, first of all, I think that you make a really good point in that there are the two different facets or two different ways that you can tell the story. And I think that I try and thread a balance between the two, mostly aiming for, you know, uplifting and inspiring stories that are going to captivate people, bring them in and then offer them insight into why they should care about the ocean. But I also don't think that it's healthy to glaze over like the truth of what is happening. And so it's, it is an interesting um, kind of experience to try and find that balance of here's why we love the ocean. Here's why we should support it. But also here are the things that are happening to it. And how do we, you know, as people, as individuals go about um, positively enhancing our experience while also having minimal impacts, minimal negative impacts on, on the ocean. Um, but as far as starting out, I mean, you know, there's a learning curve with editing where it, it's very, you know, white balance and color balance. And uh, those are two in the same, but, but <laughs> specific, um, finding your specific style, you know, is, is the trial and error part of it. But I think, um, for me, once I kind of found what I liked and how I liked it and, you know, really was able to kind of hone my own craft and, and the way that I tell a story, um, I felt that that was my biggest early struggle. And now, you know, the part that just feels natural to me though. I'd say, I'd say simply the comfort level in the water, just being in the water. And, and once you're not worried about what your mask is doing, what your fins are doing, what your body is doing, once you're really, once you feel comfortable in the water, then creating becomes a lot more, a lot more simple. Um, but I think there's a, there's a resource that most people don't know about. It's an online forum called wetpixel.com. And if you go to wetpixel, they have every question you've been curious about answered several times over because it is an entire forum for underwater photographers. So if you go on and you say, Hey guys, this is what I'm shooting. What do you recommend? There will be someone that will come on because there are a lot of people on there with, with time enough to, to share with, with beginners. And there will be somebody to come on and say, this is what I would recommend, or this is how I've done this. This is how I've achieved, achieved success. And I think you'll be really surprised with that. So that would be square one get comfortable and then spend a lot of time reading on WebPixel. Um, and then the other thing is just experiment. You know, I mean, I can't even tell you how many, how many times Allie and I have been out and swam and came back with very little, you know, very little that, that we were, we were real satisfied with, you know, I mean, ultimately shooting a lot is going to be your best friend in the water. Digital is really cool. You can review yeah. while you're out there and if it's not working, change it, you know, I mean, be willing to be willing to to kind of go with the flow, literally and figuratively. But um, the you know being comfortable with your camera out of the housing is going to be wildly advantageous to you once the camera is in the housing because once it's locked up inside the housing, you know depending on your your brand, it, it may not be all that easy for you to get ready access to the control settings. So 
be comfortable with the camera, know what you're doing with the camera before you get it in a housing, and then it's a whole new world under there. Nice. A whole new world. <laughs> Mermaid tales. Um, I've learned that I've learned today that I am a landside and dry pixel photographer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's chat a little bit about your guys's process. Your guys's. That's a word. Use guys's. Use guys's. Y'all's. Y'all's process together. Um, in in regards to planning, I mean, we can go all over the place, but. Sp- First of all, specifically in terms of planning a shoot, you guys can't really plan too much on the water. I'm sure that there are elements that you can get ready for. Um, But, I mean, just balancing, you know, what if you don't get as much? What, like, what is your vision for shooting that that day in the water? Uh, I I really want to learn more about your brain pre- pre-water and like once you guys get in the water communication hand signals like all of that stuff sure i mean first thing we check before we head out for a shoot are um wind and waves because that's going to determine where we go um because you know the various swells that hit the coastline are going to change water visibility and water clarity is probably the most important thing to us when we're shooting underwater how much Um, does that fluctuate tremendously I mean, we have days where you can have 100-foot visibility, and we have days where you have 3-foot visibility. Whoa. If it's a 3-foot vis day, there's just no point in going out. (laughs) Might as well just end up in a freshwater lava tube instead, um, which we have available to us, so we can do that. But (laughs) in Hawaii. But, right. Um, we have options, but if, um, the, dang if, of the ocean's got, got dirt in it, let's go to the lava tubes. Let's go to the lava tube. Um, but I mean, outside of, of weather conditions, you know, sunlight can play a part in, in the vibe of your shoot. We tend to like early morning light or, you know, late afternoon light as opposed to directly above because that, that directly above light kind of leads harsh shadows and, and highlights and whatnot. And so we aim to get out pretty early usually for that. Yeah. I mean, you know, once you're in the water, once we're there together, it, it usually, it, like every couple, it usually involves a lot of stern looks and a lot of cussing. And um, at the end of the day, that's we that's what we want to talk about. That's not what you're talking about. Um, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a long process learning how to uh, how to communicate. So it would be difficult to condense our back and forth um, effectively. But I, I think the big thing is is at least for she and I, is we're both creative in our own way. And what we'll often do is one of us will go and say, this is an idea that I have for a shot. I'm going to try this. And then I'll be there to, to try and document that. Um, then, you know, she'll come back and say, what do you think? And I say, I like that. Let's try this different. And so we'll go, we'll try, we'll try my way. And then oftentimes Allie will say, okay, well, I don't necessarily think that that worked for me. Let me take the camera. You go over there and you get in the shot and let me get a photo of you in the way that I wanted it. And, you know, like, I mean, we have, we have another, sorry, we have another package. Um, hold on just a second. Oh, just quite a... all right. I we hope are it's not something exciting. Let me tell you, we have not had this many knocks on our front door. No worries. You guys get more packages than we do. I Yeah earlier they got kids delivered yeah they to got them. a they got yeah. some children delivered to their house so that's fun 
<laughs> so it sounds like a lot of this is just water time, like just getting in the water and practicing together and almost having, so you have topside chemistry and mm. then you have bottom side chemistry underwater chemistry i mean a lot of it is like you said you're limited by your own creativity and Mm -hmm. so we you know get out there and we um what are you doing well i figured that this is something they want to see don't worry i won't get you with the scissors scissors and my we have a semi-large box their address is 123 hawaii street Exposed. Exposed. No um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, as far as free diving, which is what we do mostly, we um, we communicate on the surface, and then we both—I mean, we both have to breathe up before our dive. And so when we're ready for the dive, we give each other the "okay, okay" symbol, and we'll do the dive together, mm-hmm. work together for you know a minute or two underwater, and then we resurface. Um, when we're scuba diving, which happens a lot less often, but it does happen. Um, I'm working on teaching Jim uh, the ASL alphabet um, so that we can communicate a bit better because right now, like, we have some hand symbols down, but um, what you got? We have our housing back. Oh, yay. We've got an underwater housing that we are unboxing. How fitting for what we're talking about. Yeah, so... um... (laughs) Unboxing. Didn't know you were going to be part of an unboxing I'm so excited. There's that guy. Ooh. Oh, wow. Oh, that looks legitimate. Do you shoot with Sony or Canon or Fujifilm? Wow. Hey, we're going to throw you a curveball. We shoot with Nikon. For, for audio listeners, oh. I must explain, we're looking at some sort of insane robotic-looking device. It looks like one of the submarines that the people uh, go down in when mm-hmm. they want to explore <laughs> Challenger Deep, but it's very, very small. It's like you could fit tiny humans in there. <laughs> Maybe maybe a baby. <laughs> Definitely right. a kitten. That is legitimate. Definitely a kitten. They sh- James, so they what are the icon. What are the Oh okay, great. What are the knobs? The blue knobs. These are for strobes. Attaching your strobes on. Oh, strobes, should, okay. I should with mostly ambient light. Jam experiments with strobes for sure. Um, it looks I like just... some sort of arcade game. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it looks like a TIE fighter. It's amazing. Um, so this is, this is really fascinating because this is going to be our first attempt. You wonder what the blue thing is for. This is going to go up there like that. Oh. And that's a monitor for that camera because this is going to be mm, our first like a little first television camera. that goes on top. Got it. Yeah, that is going to be interesting. If you guys are listening to this on Apple Podcasts or anywhere you're listening to podcasts, I would encourage you to go to the YouTube channel and watch the video because this is actually really interesting gear, and I'm just I'm, I'm loving it. So what this is designed for, um, Nikon has just released an update for their cameras where you can incorporate raw video into their camera. So rather than shooting a flat static JPEG video. Are you uh, you just gonna show them something, or you wanna? Okay. Look at the look at the guts. The guts of the camera. Oh, wow. Um, Lots going on there. So historically, unless you were shooting a prosumer um, or a, a professional video rig, it was impossible to get raw video as a result of shooting with a camera. And now Nikon has given a patch. To where you can shoot, I think it's, if I'm not mistaken, it's 10 or 12-bit Apple ProRes RAW 
footage. And so using this gigantic monitor, which I was under the impression was going to be smaller than that. <laughs> that is the size of a loaf of bread. Um, <laughs> you will be able to, we will be able to shoot raw video, which gives us the ability to grade the video in much the same way that we grade photos, which That's probably really useful underwater in a unique way. Yeah, it's going to, it's new to us. It's going to be a game changer. Pretty spectacular. Yeah. That's... Always inventing, always learning new things and growing with the technology. So, yeah. Yeah. So, this will be new to us, but this has only just arrived today. Obviously, we, uh, we sent our beloved camera in and had them exchange it for the newer version that would incorporate that raw video. And so, here's hoping by the time that your listeners are hearing this, you'll video, have all sorts audio. of raw content to share. We will yeah. have content to share, um, color corrected, raw content. So um, we're excited. We're, we're hopeful. I think hopeful is probably the best expression I can use for it because you know, this, it's, been, it's a huge monetary investment, but it's also a huge investment of, of time and energy and computing power. We're going to destroy our current desktop if we try and edit raw footage with that computer. And so um, it probably also means that in much the same way that we spent money upgrading the camera and the housing, we're also going to be upgrading a camera <laughs> computer as well. So it's like you guys can now justify a Mac Pro. Yeah, you guys get the trash can. <laughs> Not the you, trash can. Cheese grater. Cheese grater. Cheese grater. The cheese yep. grater. The cheese grater. Um, <laughs> so yeah, we've got we've got some fun some fun months ahead of us. Um, but we also we live in a really neat place and we do something really interesting. Um, so that there's always the opportunity to create new content and especially it's probably the first time that I can think of in my relationship with my wife that we are actually at the front end of technology as opposed to, or at least on par mm -hmm. with the technology as opposed to mm -hmm. trying to play catch up. Um, we're so oh, used to That's an interesting thing. Though, I resonate I, with that so hard. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, yeah. I think people get so focused on the gear that they they um they're so serious about making sure that they're on the front end of the gear that they don't focus on practicing and getting out there and creating and it seems like you guys have emphasized creating with whatever you have and right. uh to to a level of of mastery mm -hmm. and i think that sometimes you can focus on gear so much that you miss out on mastering your craft and be in and figure out what story you want to tell mm -hmm. and creating something that's unique and you guys also seem to have a goal for what you're after uh as opposed to just creating f because it's fun right um and I, I think that that's when you that's when you have creators that make things that uh are, are you know moving the needle if anything just making more interesting content but moving the needle towards a purpose yeah. Sure. And I think it would be a great fear that, you know, because there are a lot of days when we're out there and we'll come across things that you may never see again. Like, for instance, um, killer whales in Hawaii. Not something I know people that have spent 25 years on the water every day and never seen them once. And, you know, if something did come across, if something that we came in contact with, there are species of marine mammals that we've seen out here that people have never documented underwater, never once seen and created a photo of underwater. And so, you know, it, it really seems relevant to have, you know, the most capable equipment that we can to justify or to, 
to better our chances of being able to effectively document the things that we're seeing. So you guys, you guys do have, that does make sense. Uh, you guys do have those mermaid tails. You could start a hoax. There you go. <laughs> how do you, how do you deal with, and I guess I'll just phrase it this way. How do you deal with the pressure of, you might have one chance to capture this thing. Do you take out the pro res camera or do you just plop a GoPro in there because you can trust it? Um, we definitely go for our, our pro res, um, setup, but that's because that's what we're comfortable with Okay. today. Today, GoPro feels foreign to me where I press the button. I'm like, is it on? I can't tell. <laughs> oh, there's yes. Okay. It is. Um, I mean, I know we know our camera, like the backside of our hands, we really know the ins and outs of it. And so it's something that we're very, very comfortable with. In fact, when we sent it away, we used our, our previous camera, um, that is now, you know, in semi retirement right now. And we both, <clears throat> you know, hopped in the water with it and we're like, Oh, this feels so weird now. Like this is not, not normal anymore. And so, um, we're really, we're very comfortable with our equipment and, uh, and yeah, it's our go-to for sure. Gotcha. Yeah. You, you guys aren't sponsored by GoPro, right? No, no. Okay. So just, we've just had such varied experiences with them. There are definitely days when, you know, you're out filming and all of a sudden the GoPro just shuts off or it says SD card error or, you know, whatever. There's a whole host of, of technical issues or even, were you guys using a 360? Is that what I saw? Yes. Is that, is that what but honestly, yeah, we, we don't use it in 360 mode because it's just way too stressful. And <laughs> it's it takes away from documenting, and it's just, I'm not even there for it. But anyway, what were you going to say? So Christina, as a for instance, you were asking about someone who's trying to look into getting more comfortable or proficient underwater. If you take a GoPro 360 more than 20 feet underwater, the pressure depresses the battery button or the, or the, the trigger button, and it'll just power itself off. Um, once you get below 20 feet with a, a 360. And so what we found with the various other tools, like our housing is capable of going as deep as we're capable of taking it. And so, you know, you start to eliminate potential variables. And so at least for Allie and I, you know, the most bomb proof the thing can be, the better because it reduces, <laughs> it reduces our chances of potential flooding or potential failure or potential you know, there, there's literally nothing more stressful for, for a wildlife photographer anyways than being underwater witnessing something spectacular and having a piece of your, your technology not functional. Sure. It is, it, is just, it, is, it is like nails on a chalkboard. Sure. I mean, it's like at that point, you just have to enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> Man, imagine that. <laughs> yeah. That's an interesting point. It's like GoPro, more like go no. amateur. <laughs> I, I've gotten starting point no it really is and, and it's it's so versatile it's it's such a valuable piece of equipment but uh, it has its place i i'm at a point where and i i don't think that it's a good way to operate in these kind of creative in this creative box but everything always seems so high stake so we live mm -hmm. in the desert there's not an ocean we will be changing that i'm sure um but we're planning a trip out to Florida because I have family there and it's just an easy place to capture the reef. There's the Florida reef tract. There's a lot to see there and we're going to be there for a week. And I'm thinking like, I need to be in the water every single second. Like what if it's bad weather, then like this entire trip is a waste. And it's, it's really nice kind of listening to you guys talk about the process of, um, just how you go about it and just trusting your gear and almost not going for what seems like the easiest thing. And, like really getting familiar. Like I know our Sony cameras, like 
the back of our hand. So just really mm. almost risking a couple days of bad footage and like you, we might not get something that's even usable. Mm. Um, but digging into that because long game, that's going to be super helpful. Well, Christina, I think another thing that they were getting at that was interesting was that (laughs) what no just go ahead um i'm just yeah i want people to know who where it's directing towards and yeah i'm just trying to be a good showman you know yeah uh i think it's also interesting that they seem to be okay with taking your time and if something if you guys come back with nothing it's it's kind of okay now i don't know how okay that actually it gives is me anxiety in the hearing. end like i don't know if you guys <laughs> come back and you, you guys are just being positive for us and tr- to try to help people establish good habits but really you come back and you throw your camera across the room like dang it we didn't get the whale but uh oh, but it seems like yeah, you guys <laughs> you, it seems like you guys are accepting <laughs> of the truth that some days nothing will go right Oh, don't say it. Absolutely. That's why you're doing a lot. Yeah. 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 Especially when you're working in nature. I mean, the animals might be willing to cooperate, but the weather might not. And, Mm -hmm. and vice versa. You might have beautiful weather, but if you can't find the animal that you're looking for, or, you know, I mean, if a client hires you and thinks that they're going to get these magical photos, but then realizes that they can't free dive or swim or something. I mean, we've seen the spectrum after 10 years, you know, 10 years plus doing this. I've, we have seen and done a lot. And so we've definitely had full trips where we went, you know, halfway across the world, spent a week trying to just document humpback whales and came back with what felt like next to nothing. You know, if we could one photo from the trip, we were like, oh, well, at least there's something. But um, yeah, no, I mean, sometimes you, you hit the lottery and sometimes you go home feeling a little broke. <laughs> yeah. Another, deep... another element... oh, go ahead. Okay. Well, I was going to say another element of that too is that Allie and I have gotten to the point where we're not willing to, we're not willing to push the interaction, especially with, with wildlife, we're not willing to, to inconvenience or, or we're not willing to impose ourselves on, on an animal. And there are a lot of photographers out there that don't necessarily see the needs of the animal to be on par with the needs of themselves, if that makes sense. They'll look at the, the animal and say, well, I need to get this photo, so I'm willing to inconvenience or, or impose on the animal in order to get it. And Allie and I have gotten to the point where we're not willing to to push that limit. And so you do, it does leave you, you know, okay, if I had dived on that animal or if I'd approached that animal that wasn't, wasn't willing to be approached, you could force the, everything okay? Yeah. Yeah, we're good. Carry on. James is doing things. You could, I'm, you just, could. I'm just changing cameras as we speak. My apologies. Sure. <laughs> Carry yeah, on. No, you, you can, you can force the issue, but often, often our unwillingness to, to do that yields fewer opportunities than than it would if we worked so we um we just follow by our morals of of putting the animal's well-being first right gotcha no i love that um so you guys do this with free diving james and i just took a free diving course i'm very comfortable in the water i was a state champion uh in swimming that's like my that's my uh, uncle rico is it his name uncle rico yeah. That's my Uncle Rico moment. I, I think it is Uncle Rico. <laughs> yeah, that's just I, I've 
thankfully have succeeded things past that but for the longest time i was like oh the state champion i don't know if you knew that but you know so i'm very <laughs> like like i said i'm obsessed with the water james is different in that thankfully he's getting more used to the water and like we're swimming a couple times a week which just like it just makes my heart so happy that's like the best way he could spend time with me is not talking to each other in the water um but so we took a free diving course surprisingly well it was an amazing experience it was surprisingly challenging for me um not to say that i expected it to be challenging for james i love you um but it's surprisingly challenging for you it's incredibly challenging (laughs) it was it just wasn't what i like there was a point so we swam about a mile offshore to a buoy and halfway through we're getting seasick and i'm just trying to like be mental and just go like this is all in my mind i can do this and my mind was not agreeing with me um james had really a really hard time equalizing his ears um and honestly it's not like that stopping us is not really an option for me personally um but i i wanted to chat with you guys a little bit about free diving and i mean when you're doing your breath hold and okay, this, back. thank you james sorry everyone okay um and so one part of it is breath holds right obviously you don't have an oxygen tank um you have to lower your heart rate and get really really zen and just get in the water and do your thing but the other part of it is just your tolerance level and exhaustion and you don't want to push yourself too far because then it gets dangerous um how do you guys navigate together um knowing where each person's limit is and almost being okay with okay we can't dive down to 40 feet because your head will explode um so let's work in this way together yeah i mean the nice thing is that when jim and i met we were on a pretty similar free diving level and we've just kind of grown together in that um it is a sport and so it's something that you know you start off not that great and then you just kind of train your body into um being more comfortable in in the different elements that you might be put into when you're in the ocean um so you know i mean there are lung and diaphragm exercises that you can do and um uh, like for example we know that i'm hypoglycemic and so um i have to have some i have to have food before i free dive otherwise it's it's dangerous for me um to free dive so we know that you know all right well we're going out for a dive i have to have you know a piece of toast with peanut butter and honey on it and then i'm super good to go for three hours or whatnot um but we have, you know, the same breath hold. We Good can thing get you're to not same... gluten intolerant. Yeah, yeah, true. I love bread. That would be. You would just be, be eating peanut butter and honey. I mean, which doesn't well, sound that bad. That sounds great. I could that be worse, sounds... right? I, I would go for that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I just yeah, eat spoonfuls I... of almond butter. It's it's a special experience for me. <laughs> I'm gonna have to give that one a try. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're. When it comes to water capabilities, we are so in sync with what we both can can manage that um, it's not it doesn't often really have to be a discussion verbally for us because we just read each other's body language um, and and just kind of I mean but we know that 
you know, for the amount of time that you're underwater, you spend at least twice the amount of time above water reoxygenating your brain. And, you know, you always keep an eye on one another. I mean, the greatest danger with free diving is a shallow water blackout. And as long as you're being attentive to your diver, um, to your dive buddy, it's, it's something that shouldn't happen. Um, you know, I mean, again, it, it can, but as long as you're being, you're paying attention and diving conservatively, it's, it's something that you can avoid. Yeah. And like anything, you know, I mean, you, you look at a, a photography client that you might have for something else. If they're not like, let's say it's an equestrian shoot and you want to take photos of somebody riding a horse. If they're not capable of jumping over the, you know, the, the barrier that you were talking, you were hoping to get the shot, then you just, you know, you wait until golden hour and you get better shots than walking, you know, riding around in circles in the other end of the, the yard. You know, I mean, I, I don't know the first thing about taking pictures of horses. So that was a terrible analogy. <laughs> But that, but that said, you know, you, you just, and, and that's always been a huge part of being a content creator is that, you know, you've got to be willing to roll with the punches. You've got to be versatile because if you're not, you'll either come back with nothing or you'll have somebody step up that says, Hey, wait, I can do that. Mm -hmm. I know how to, I don't know how to make that work. And so what's really, what's been really fascinating is that Ali and I will photograph something and we're just not crazy about it. And then, you know, you flip around to the silhouetted side of that same shot. And the silhouetted shot looks amazing, you know what I mean? And so it's a lot of times, even if somebody's not wildly physically capable as a free diver, you know, I, honestly, and, and this is a, a point that James was making earlier, I know people with really limited gear, really cheap stuff that create spectacular content. And I know people with the highest end equipment that you can, that money can buy, literally every single toy on the market that come back with really, really lackluster stuff. Mm. And so I'd love to think that Allie and I live somewhere in the middle of that, where, you know, like we, we do, we do come back with good stuff and, and, you know, usually our gear is pretty well cared for, but it's, it's honestly, it has so much more to do with your eye than it does with anything else. Mm. Gotcha. Yeah. And the narrative. <clears throat> yeah. So hey, the time that we like really, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you're good. I was just, when you were talking about the communication and how it's important for us, I'd say that the one time that we're, he and I really need to have like very clear, concise communication is, um, whenever like I'm doing the modeling and, and without fins or a mask, uh, and he's doing photography. So we had a, um, a contract with a clothing company a few years ago and they wanted me to wear full clothing underwater. And so they'd sent like scarves and dresses and pants and cardigans and all kinds of things that I had to, you know, switch in and out of. And that was probably one of the instances where it was, we needed to be in clear communication, um, you know, because those things get heavy underwater. And mm -hmm. so my ability to get down there to get settled to pose and his ability to get down there, get settled and, you know, get the, the photos that we needed. And then for us both to get back to the surface without me being really able to see much of what's going on, you know, like if I do a certain hand movement or whatever, he knows that I need help coming back up because the, the weight of the clothes was, was weighing me down or, I mean, the scarf underwater is just a bad idea. I just do not recommend it at all, ever. Don't wear a scarf underwater. No scarves underwater. Yeah. It's, it's not okay. an appropriate place for a scarf. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, pretty cool. So, um, I did want to say one thing before you okay. jump into yeah. uh, the next question. Being a solo creator, landside, <laughs> is it requires patience and it requires you to be able to deal with a certain level of uncertainty. Being 
a collaborative creation unit Mm -hmm. as me and you are requires another layer of patience and the ability to together deal with uncertainty while while keeping our communication healthy Mm -hmm. what these guys what these brave souls have done is they've decided to (laughs) (laughs) your facial expressions are so funny uh alicia um so what what you guys have done is is layered on top of that being underwater creators who have to create together Mm -hmm. as a couple so you have all the emotional baggage of just being a couple just talking at all (laughs) right most people can't manage that um (laughs) you guys are trying to create underwater as a couple wearing landside clothes i commend you (laughs) (laughs) it's been lucky that we've survived a few of them I mean, and not because of the clothes that we were wearing or the conditions, just that, like, neither of us killed each other. Yeah, at least you guys would have died together doing what you love. Well, I guess one would have died. (laughs) The other one would have to die immediately. Yeah. That's the only way it would be romantic. Yeah. Other than that, it'd just be tragic. So romantic. Don't die. Stay alive. Don't die. All right. Like, Romeo and Juliet managed to be romantic and tragic at the same time, so I think you're on the right track. I feel like, yeah, just... You know, we just we'll just plan on not dying anytime soon. Grab that weight yeah. belt and just shove overboard. I mean, listen, if you guys can die together, <laughs> that's good. But if you die together and capture it on camera, holding hands in a very romantic way, uh, something that just inspires everyone to have James a better marriage. And that was the last time we saw Jim and Allie. <laughs> <laughs> Too dark. I mean, that's how to go. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm trying to get at. I remember how I told you earlier that his jokes aren't funny, but when you listen back, you'll be like, oh, okay. that was kind of... Yeah, so oh, let's layer on top of that, that, that <laughs> that's, when you, that's when you should go, is together in that fashion, holding hands, beautifully sinking to the bottom. James, they have um, to walk their dog after this. But even better is that you guys are 98. So it's like you guys were going to go anyway, but... <laughs> okay. Okay. In the, I so, like that. Just work on that. I, I guess just maybe you guys sit down and have a planning meeting for that. What were we going to ask him, Christina? Okay, so on creativity, um, <laughs> and this will this will be one of the last questions. I'm sure I'll think of something else. Um, but I want to learn a little bit about your workflow in the like, what's the word? Contracted mode. So you're on assignment for people. Um, James and I live in this world where we're making content for brands. Mm. Um, so I want to learn about how you guys plan a trip, how you guys plan a shoot really is kind of not a trip, more a shoot. Let me rephrase. Hmm. How do you guys plan your shoots together knowing that you can't really predict everything? You do some precautionary things um while still having deliverables it's always most helpful when clients are willing to hire us to do work in our hometown because we know the Kona coast really well and so I mean like we said weather is going to affect our ability to create underwater content first and foremost and so depending on the swell and the wind um we will alter our plans to, you know, have suitable locations for, for content creation. And so if, if, I mean, there are caves all along 
the Kona Coast, but there are also, you know, white sand beaches. So really it depends on what the client is asking for. If they have a, an image of a cave in their mind, then, you know, looking at the conditions, we say, all right, well, this cave is going to be affected by the waves. So we're going to go to this cave and, and do that. And usually unless there's a West swell, the West swell is the worst and we never, ever mm -hmm. want it. Okay. But if there's any other direction, then we can make something happen. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. But Westwell, you know, we usually ask our clients to give us, you know, a week's time, if not more, to create the content that they're looking for because weather is so finicky and variable. What do you think? Well, I think I think it's been really advantageous too because we both have very different skill sets. Um, Allie is definitely the planner. She'll make sure that everything has been meticulously packed and that we have absolutely everything that we need if we're traveling somewhere. She's always really good at, at going through and thinking through, anticipating what we'll need. And I've always been the gearhead between the two of us. I'm always the one that's making sure the batteries are charged and things are packed. And, and things that we're going to need camera-wise are going to be there and going to be functional. And so when we come in, usually we'll sit down, we'll, we'll, have a, we'll, have, we'll put our heads together about what the plan is. But it's been really nice because it, we notice this on days when I prep everything that things get left behind because I'll go through and I'm like, okay, I got everything. Let's just go. She's like, we don't have towels or water. Like what's wrong with you? <laughs> and then on the days that she puts the camera gear together, we're like, we'll get out there and we'll get on the shoot. And it's like, there's no memory card in this camera. And, um, you know, and so, and it, it's been, it's been good to have, I have a high level of trust in her ability to prepare us. And she has a high level of trust in my ability to get the cameras ready. And so when we meet together, Good things happen. Mm. That's, that's very similar Most. to our dynamic, I think. Yeah, it it actually makes me appreciate you. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I'm sure I appreciate you time. more times um, than not. But <laughs> I go, I go. Oh wait, we like you know compliment each other in that way, and I think that I think that's really special. That's a really special dynamic when you get to create with your spouse. Um, there are other dynamics that can make that harder. Um, but there's, there's just a weird chemistry when everything on, on a good shoot, everything just flows and you're like, we're living our best life. We're doing it guys. High five mm -hmm. guys. As oh, I totally agree. There's a, there's a very unique reward with, with creating something together and having it feel like a successful shoot. It's it. I, I can totally appreciate that because I mean, it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it feels really good to be like, yeah, well, you know, Jim took that picture. I took the picture of him and we worked together to, to create this piece. And yeah, we, one, one of we the things, Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've found to be so wonderful about uh, being married and creating in this new way, as opposed to solo creating, which I still do mostly, um, is that there is a dynamic that comes with the two sets of attributes of each person it comes together and complements each other like what you were saying that that jim you pack the cameras and alicia you pack the uh the everything else and then you plan and <laughs> everything yeah, else. everything right <laughs> yes uh, girl <laughs> uh it's so funny because when, when jim was saying you know you know we don't have any towels or water that's exactly what i would do that's yeah that's the same. i mean but and I I even struggle to pack her electronics. I'm just good at getting. Gosh, it makes me so mad. I'm like, James, yes. I need a phone charger too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I apologize. Oh, yeah. You know, um, I can't be I can't be exactly perfect. I can't be your hero, baby. But as long as you know that I'm like mostly there. 
Um, but I think having those together, you can't create, you can create something so unique out of that that you can't create alone. And then you can create something alone that you can't create together. Mm-hmm. Every, uh, those, those two things coming together creates a unique entropy. And uh, I, I think that's fantastic. But uh, I was also curious, what do you guys consider to be a, a successful day? Um, well, a bright sunny morning. Nice water conditions, lots of wildlife, and coming home with photos that both he and I are proud of, I think is probably, you know, our our dream day. It doesn't have to be any one specific animal. Um, it doesn't have to be any one location. Just we like to get out there and and see each new day as, as a fun challenge and an adventure. And if we can come home feeling feeling like properly physically tired because we've been swimming so much, um, and just feeling like we were able to achieve, you know, a new level of creativity or, or, you know, kind of come together and, and create something that we both like. I feel like that's a successful day for us. Happy guests and full memory cards. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you guys are similar in this. It seems like you guys, uh, focus heavily on the, the creation side and coming back with something that you feel great about. That's something that's very important to us too, but me and Christina always say that uh, our day is not complete until we've shared something. So we can get 45 a, tasks done. That it's are... an unhealthy mindset. Don't, <laughs> don't try to live this way. <laughs> We're working on it. On social media? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So it's like sharing. For me, it's sharing a YouTube video. It's getting a video up. For me, I don't oh, even it's... care about sharing it. It's if I hit export. Like if I can just hit export on something, I'm just that's a good day Mm. but there are some days and it's important to realize this as reality that you're just going to work on the photo you're just going to work on the video right and you're not going to export anything and you still did something there are days where i work on a video i'm sorry there are weeks where i'm working (laughs) on a video for from you know monday until thursday and by tuesday or wednesday i'm in a horrible mood and i don't know why and then I realized the, re- the reason why is because I'm stuck on this project that I can't finish mm-hmm. and I want to get something out. So even just like hopping away and sending a tweet or something, and, and this sounds like I have some sort of addiction to social media. It's not mm-hmm. like that. It's more like I want, I want to contribute to the world. That's where I see, uh, that's where I, I see a lot of value come from. That's where I see a lot of purpose happen in my life is when I, I feel like I've created something, I've put it out into the world for everyone to experience. Uh, it's not about how people engage with it. It's about that people get to see it to engage with it, even if it's just 10 people. And for me, that that's what gives me satisfaction. So I found that if I don't do that for too long, I need to, I need to like, find that dopamine hit Mm -hmm. in order to feel successful. But I think also it's important to remember that there are many projects that, you know, if you're shooting an actual, I mean, I don't know if you guys have actually shot like documentary or something like that um, or something, something, you know, much longer form, but people spend years, Years. you know, building, building a documentary to share with somebody. Mm -hmm. And, um, within that process, you have to be able to be patient and still believe in what you're doing along the way and still feel good about that progress. That's something I really struggle with though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a love to do something that big. Yeah. I think, I think 
what I would impart to you, or at least just to, to share in, in a way that we're dissimilar in that way, James, is that the, the, the dopamine hit that I crave, the buzz that I crave, is when I create something that I know I'm gonna love. If I'm, if I'm shooting something and all the elements come together, like, you know, I know you can never trust the little two inch LCD. Like, you know, you look down and you're like, oh, that looks amazing. You know, you blow it up sometimes, you're like, that wasn't nearly as cool as I thought it was. <laughs> But like, this has been something that I've battled with pretty much the antithesis of your sentiment where I'm like, I don't want to post. I don't. I mean, and if you, if you've seen my Instagram, I have like, I post like every six months or something stupid like that. Like I, <laughs> I, I don't care, you know, to post. But every and, time and you I post, it's like a cure to a disease. <laughs> yeah. So like, it's I so look at posting, like a, it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, I've got to go get a haircut. You know, like I have, this is one of those things. I have to brush my teeth every night because that's what makes me a healthier human. Like I need to post something because that's what healthy humans do. And I'm like, I could care less. Like, honestly, that is like the, like I, I, I would, I don't have a Twitter. I couldn't, I couldn't fathom that anything that I would have to contribute would be relevant to someone else's day to day. You know, like I couldn't imagine that like my tweets would be relevant. So like, I'm pretty much on the opposite end of the, spec end of the spectrum. That dopamine hit that I want is when a cool photo happens. That's like, that's my moment when like a really neat experience is happening and I know that I've managed to capture that, at least in my own way. But the perspective for that is, is that Jim doesn't like to post, but a lot of clients will hire us and say, okay, Alicia, I want you to be in this picture doing this thing wearing this swimsuit or these fins or holding this product or whatever. I'm like, okay, and their focus is on me, like it's usually me communicating with them, but they're hiring Jim because it's his photo, you know, like the, my, uh, the photos that I have put out there that I've posted that have done the best throughout any of our social media have all been taken by him. Mm, I was story just of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's one of those things where I'm like, yeah, Jim doesn't post, but he is, you know, massive in creating content that right. I then share. But right. but the, if Good. you are not, oh, Good. beautiful, nice. look at that show of that's, affection. That's something that, I mean, that's a, that's almost exactly how we function. Mm. There, yeah, oh, absolutely. I get irritated when a company will tag it's me. It's kind of eerie. Uh, yeah, it is really yeah. funny. Uh, I'll get irritated when a company tags me as the photographer, because I'm looking at the photo and I'm going, I couldn't even think of making a photo that good. Like tag the right person, but just because I'm the talent, I'm the hand or whatever. Um, but James has gotten to a point where he goes like each interaction is he, he has a specific vision. So if the client paid us tons of money for it, he doesn't care who he, who gets the credit. And I'm thinking, no, get the credit. Like people should know how talented you are. Yeah. Um, what were you going to say? I was just going to say that without you, Alicia, um, you, his photo would just be a picture of some underwater sand. So it would play a huge role. <laughs> and it would just be trapped on a hard drive somewhere. Never, never to have seen the light of day. So <laughs> right. Totally. Right. Totally, totally valid point. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, to your, to your point, Jim, uh, I also get a dopamine hit when I like bring a photo into Lightroom and I realize that because I'll look at it on the back of the screen. This is probably a luxury that you guys maybe can't, you know, you can't see it as well. Like I actually put my, I can actually put my eye up to the, the viewfinder and see it, you know, full screen in there. But it, it, you know, when I get it in Lightroom, 
and I see I see that it's actually going to work and I really got a winner, that's another dopamine hit. That feels really good. Right. Yeah, sure. absolutely. But you're a very humble man not wanting to share your things. <laughs> Must be nice. Oh, no, um, humble. I don't know if humble would be the right humble, word. Lazy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, man. Guys, I, I mean, I think this is a great place to wrap up. The sun is setting. Your dogs need a walk. Um, <laughs> thank you both so much. Um, yeah, you need we, to go play with your pack. calling Jim lazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jim's so lazy. Just, All right. right. Thanks, guys. Time to go. You're a great guy, and I love you. And... Maybe maybe tack on a hard worker there, just because. Yeah. Um, <laughs> there we go. He's got just a great a, personality. As a, a counterweight to your your harassment, lady. <laughs> He's he's a he's a good friend to most people, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice singing voice. Yeah. Oh, let's hear it. Yeah. Oh no, that was sarcasm. That was that was, that was yeah. oh. sarcasm. We we've just gone down the rabbit hole oh. of uh, backhanded God, compliments. Up. <laughs> Dang it! This is all a waste. What if he started singing and it was just Stevie Wonder? Actually, <laughs> Stevie Wonder. I don't know. Do either of you have a talented singing voice? We could do a duet. I can sing, but I don't want to. I don't know what we would sing. <laughs> I can sing, but I don't want to. <laughs> I, I James and I have many hidden talents. James has been playing drums for twenty one years. Wow. Um, he used to have long hair, which was a talent. Uh, I play the cello, the guitar, the piano, the game of life. Uh, piano, um, like. A little bit, dude. I can cello really well. Okay, he keeps me She's a very talented swimmer. She won state. I, I don't know if you guys knew this. No instruments very well. We did. We did mention the the no. state the state championship. What what was your discipline in in swimming? Breaststroke, and I think okay. I probably won because nobody else was good at it. But no, I rocked hold on, it. Hold on, hold on. I don't. That was the case. Here, I want to show you guys this. We just must backtrack. So, um... Oh goodness. Oh, oh, we're looking at a beautiful Hawaiian sunset. Look at those clouds. James, I'm telling you, we should move to... Ah, uh, palm trees. There's something about the, the palm trees for That's me. Awesome. <laughs> I love it. It's just it. such a special thing. Mm. Yeah, so we've love pretty it. much missed the, the walk window, which is fine. We'll snuggle the dogs afterwards. But if we could get a quick burst of cello, that would make my life complete. Oh, my gosh. Can you burst the cello? I for, can. While you go to, Let's end the podcast. While then... you go to burst the cello. No, I, no, 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 no. Wait, were you serious? No, go burst the cello. Yes. Okay. Yes, no. Burst the cello. I'm sorry. Everybody's got jokes except me. I, I want I want to hear cello. Me too. I only make serious statements. Um, when she's <laughs> I'm uh, when she won... literal. <laughs> I'm violently literal. Um, <laughs> so Christina, correct me if I'm wrong on any of these details, but you when you it. when you won state, you had a sprained ankle. You had a oh sprained gosh. ankle because she tried to do a backflip. I was also a former gymnast. A practice day, they told her not to screw around, and she decided she would do a, a flip, and then she sprained her ankle, and then still won state. So Christina yeah. likes to downplay yeah, you. herself. What are you talking about? It's because she's badass. I mean, look at that. She, exactly. Oh, she's very and bad. You know, sprained ankle. What do you know about that? Okay, well, the cello has arrived. We have a guitar and a cello. Yeah, I have to move oh, it. He didn't oh. ask for all that, well, Christina. So much fun. We're end the podcast, so we're not no, 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 no. I want the people want to it. hear the cello. Oh, come on. Okay, she's she's rusty. It's been a while. Okay, we'll just put that disclaimer. Okay. The, Christina, gonna you're going to be better so just, than everybody who's listening. 
So, Christina, we have turned off the podcast. <laughs> we have, oh, quote unquote, ended the podcast. This is only internal. Oh, she's got to check. Is it in tune? The cello oh, is now such I'm a beautiful nervous. instrument. It is. It, right? It, it's something you can't, you just can't get the effect if not in person. I okay. believe well, that. When you guys but... come to Kona. It's yeah. got like a very, yeah, exactly. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring, bring it on. The, the, we'll bring our free diving fins. That'll be our carry-on. And then the cello. Yep, uh, perfect. But it's got such a, the cello has such a, a, a haunting and bassy quality to it in person. And um, I, I'm going to just do my best to give you guys. So we had a guest in Tahiti bring his French horn because he plays for the Houston Symphony Orchestra. Okay. Um, and he played Star Wars for us every morning to wake up with the French horn, and it was the coolest. It was awesome. Oh, wow. Every morning. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> I'll wake up at 5.30 in the morning. They should do that at like uh, like boot camp orientation or when they, whenever the people wake up. Yeah. Instead 100%. of the, the drill sergeants running through, it should be somebody with a French horn playing John Williams. Let's do it. Hey, come on. Let's go. I'm trying to figure out how to play Star Wars. Perform. Perform, monkey. Dance. That sounded very good, Chris. You should have seen her face. Look at she's recording now. the Caribbean. I don't know if I remember that one. All you did a little bit of it. I did totally it? heard it there. Do it again. Okay, guys. Do it again. Go, go, go. You know, yes. I... Yes, thank you. guys for anyone who doesn't know this cellos unlike guitars they don't have frets so she has to find her pitch with her finger without 
without having a fret to put it on. So right. it has to be very precise. It has to be more precise than with a guitar. I also make funny faces whenever I play. Yeah. As you like should. I do. I make funny faces just for no good reason at all. <laughs> why, in the, why in the world would you play with a straight face? That doesn't make any sense at all. You know, when I was I think little, kind I was of like... Talent. You know when you see the musician playing and they do, they kind of squinch up your face or their yeah. face and you're like, yeah, they, they're feeling the music. Like, mm -hmm. none of the, the rest of the world doesn't matter right now. They're they do it. And they're just doing their thing. I think it's a sign of a true artist. Christina, thank you so much for that beautiful time. <laughs> Thanks, Christina. No problem. Next time, next time Jen has to sing for us. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah no, I'll, I'll work on that. Beautiful Stevie Wonder or Alicia Keys voice. I could also see an Alicia Keys there. Mm. Or, uh, oh, there you go. Although, I don't, don't think we missed the Enrique reference earlier either. So maybe, maybe you oh. can play um on the on the uh cello and i can sing along oh my gosh i'm here for that it. sounds like a night to remember yeah. <laughs> well we will there's, we there's will be more alcohol involved than we already have so. <laughs> uh we will link to uh their things in the show notes mm -hmm. slash description uh if you guys want to if you enjoyed this now's a great time i'm sure you feel compelled to rate and review this podcast <laughs> cheap voice cello uh and yeah just just share your thoughts on how you were moved with the cello and how maybe like you were inspired to reignite your relationship with your father or something um what oh i'm still recording over here uh for uh and also, if you have any ideas for future guests, please let us know. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to top these lovely people, but we can try. Uh, <laughs> you, and, oh, don't sell yourself short there, James. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much. For... 14 hours of editing this video to, uh, to realize that that wasn't the case at all. <laughs> <laughs> this video, the podcast episode ends up being two minutes long. Yeah. <laughs> they were right? very good. Hi guys, who are you? What do you do? Okay, great. This okay. has been so much Bye. fun. Oh look, their their internet came out. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> oh, man. Well, thank you guys. Thank you guys so much for giving us some of your time. Yes. Yeah, yeah thanks for having us. This is fun. Okay. You guys had a lot of wonderful thoughts to share. Anything else from you, Christina? Nope. We can end the podcast and then end the chat with them separately. In our friendship with them. Okay. Yep. Guys, thank oh. you so much for listening. <laughs> uh, guys, live your best creative life. Go do the thing. And I hope you guys had some value out of this Great one. things together. Okay, bye. Okay, bye.